damn well right better give him a contract extension. You damn well right better make him the manager over the next series of years. We used heart attack. Managers on a major league baseball team don't make decisions. What's going on, everybody? Another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Aloysius Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Thinking about the baseball playoffs as they sit up right now, and you know, it's amazing that the game of baseball has gone through so much technology, and the fact that teams have gone out of their way to try to give themselves every possible advantage that they can through the use of data, through the use of numbers. And there's just one thing that continues to get repeated that spells the end or the baseball death of individual baseball seasons. And it's the overuse of relief pitchers in the postseason. And you've seen the game as it's switched right before our eyes. We've seen the game go from you know, the Bob Gibsons of the world guaranteed to pitch seven innings regardless of how the game's going. And then you have a situation where the game has switched over to the importance of relievers. And listen, I love a 100-mile-an-hour throwing reliever just like the next guy. And in fact, if the guy's got some movement on his fastball to wipe out slider, odds are it's going to be hard to hit that pitcher. But one of the things that is a constant about long baseball postseason series, and I'm not talking about individual games. I'm not talking about regular seasons. I'm talking about postseason series that go between five and seven games long. And how many times does the same opposing team seem the same relief pitchers game after game after game? And I'm giving you the impression that this bothers me a little bit, but I'm just almost like baffled at the fact that baseball teams that are so smart, that have all the data, all the information, are hiring people left and right that give them such an unbelievable advantage when it comes to the knowledge of the game of baseball, don't understand that the more the opposing team sees the same pitcher, the more the opposing team gets an advantage over said pitcher. And I don't know. It's just one of those things that it doesn't seem like anybody really wants to listen to, see, be part of. Uh, I mean, it's frustrating to me because I look at it and if there's a team that I was rooting for, I would say that that team is putting itself in a situation where it's going to be hard for them to win. That same reliever that is lights out in game one may be just as good in game two. But if you still see him in games three, four, five, six, and seven, at some point, the opposing hitters are going to have a different type of approach when they're going up against them. And I've spoken, whether it's this show right here, the PBS, whether it's Contending Baseball, which we could hear on a contender, download the contender app, the whole thing. The relievers that continuously are used in the same series at some point get beat. Will Harris in 2019 with the Houston Astros eventually got beat. And it's sad. It's sad to see Will Harris give up that home run to Howie Kendrick because he pitched so ridiculously well. 
He could have been a candidate for the MVP of that series. He looked that good. But he was used too many times. Brandon Morrow was used in seven games of the 2017 World Series between the Astros and the Dodgers. At some point, the Astros got to him. The Yankees in 2019 thought it would be a great idea to have a, a bullpen lineup set up to where Chad Green would come in, followed by Tommy Canley, Adam Adovino, Zach Britton, and Araldis Chapman. And if you use those same relievers every single game, the Yankees were going to be guaranteed to win. To me, this is unbelievable how not only have teams gone reliant on their relievers, but they've become completely ignorant to the fact that the more a team sees of the same reliever, the more the advantage goes to the opposing team. And I look at the Dodgers and the Dodgers' decision to use a bullpen game. I, I don't have a problem with a bullpen game. I don't have a problem if you want to use an opener. I understand that there's value to it. You, know, you get the max out of whatever pitchers come in a game and they give you an inning or two. And you know the more pitchers that are on the top of their game, you, you could win a game. You could shut a team out. You could win a one-run game like that. All those things are a possibility. And you know what? If you play the numbers, it probably tells you that there's a good probability that that's going to happen. The issue I see is the more you give a team a fresh look at a same relief pitcher, the more that opposing team is going to get an advantage. And it's going to be up to the Dodgers, who keep throwing Corey Knable and Blake Trinan and Kenley Jansen and all, all these other relievers that they got that at points have been dominant. Some of them have been even, even excellent. At some point, Braves are going to get a good and a better look at them. The Braves have played six postseason games to this point. Six postseason games, they've used Luke Jackson and Tyler Matzik out of their bullpen. Now, their algorithm or their stack guy or girl may give them the information and say, hey, use this pitcher, use this pitcher again. And every single series may come up and it says, use this pitcher again and again and again and again. And that might be a glitch in the algorithm that, that's set up. There may actually be a glitch that says, well, this pitcher with this these numbers against this opponent gives you the best chance to win, but is not factoring in the fact that that pitcher was used the day before. Is that algorithm using rest as something that's important? Because that's something that hurt Nick Anderson and the Tampa Bay Rays in a World Series last year. Nick Anderson was lights out in a truncated 60-game regular season but at some point got overused. At some point, every single time the Rays ran their algorithm as to who to use in a certain spot, Nick Anderson's name came up and it benefited the Dodgers. And if I'm one of these opposing teams that's going up against a relief pitcher that's pitching game after game after game, I'm going to hope I see them more. I don't care how dominant Blake Trinan or um, Will Smith could be or Tyler Matzik or Luke Jackson, if I'm the Dodgers, I'm saying, hey, pitch these guys every day. Come on, game three, I want to see Luke Jackson and Tyler Matzik because at some point, the hitters are going to figure them out. And these pitchers are going to be the ones that are going to lose an individual season. 
And that's gonna that that's never going to be brought up. And I don't understand for a game that is so centered around numbers, a game that everybody seems to understand with all the analytics that are being used in a game. Are we not looking at the fact that relievers are being overused in the postseason? I look at the 2018 Boston Red Sox. One of the things that led them to a World Series championship that year was the fact that they didn't overuse their relievers in a postseason. In fact, they went to starters that they were taking out early, just like that's become the in thing to do. You know, you got a guy like Max Scherzer, and I understand he's been used a lot. They used him as a as the closer to close out the you know the Giants in a tough five game series. But you know, you know the the need to use these starters at some point. You're saving them by taking them out in the third and the fourth and the fifth inning. The Red Sox in 2018 used them to close out games. Nathan Avaldi, Chris Sale, pitching in big spots out of the bullpen, and think about what happened in 2029. I'm uh, 2019. I'm sorry. Where what? What are we? Eight years away from 2029. If I could tell you what's going on in that year, uh, I'm sure a lot more people would pay attention to what I'm saying. But in 2019, the Washington Nationals win their first World Series championship on the back of their big time starting pitchers, and it wasn't because. Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg or Patrick Corbin are going out there pitching nine innings every day. It's not the 1967 World Series with Bob Gibson. It's not the 1957 World Series with Lou Burdett. We're not talking about pitchers pitching nine innings three times over the course of a seven-game series, but with the understanding that starters are going to come out at some point, the first sign of trouble, in some cases before they can face a batting order, opposing batting order for the third time. I'm looking at the Nationals' decision to use their starters as relievers to close out games. That led them to a World Series championship in 2019. And what what happened with the Rays? The overuse of Nick Anderson put the Dodgers in a position to tee off on Nick Anderson at some point. Listen, Braves are in a good spot, winning the first two games in Atlanta. Good for them. They got to go to L.A. now. If they're ever going to listen to me, I would give Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson game three off. And I might even give them game four off. And, and I get it. You, know, you start to rely on certain relievers that you, know, you just know we're that good. And then you got guys in the front of your bullpen that you really don't want to use unless it's a blowout. Every now and then you benefit from having a game that goes that way. But here's here's what I look at. The overuse of relievers comes back to bite these teams every single time. You can go back to 1986, and I'm sure Gene Mock wishes that maybe he went to Donnie Moore one less time over the course of the first five games of that series. You know, you fall in love with a certain reliever. And you think that every time he's going to go out there, he's going to be lights out. And it happens every single time. In a five to seven game series, a team that's going up against the same pitcher eventually figures him out. Now, where is that in the analytic world? Where is that in the, you know, the computer guy and girl world? Why is that not being brought up? But I could see the Braves losing 
a very important game, maybe even a series, with Tyler Matzik or Luke Jackson on the mound. And it's not that Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson aren't good enough. It's that the Dodgers are going to figure them out at some point. And you look at some of the relievers of the other teams. You know, the Red Sox don't really have a closer. They're trying to figure out who to go to in the best spot. I'd worry a little bit about Garrett Whitlock. He's had a great year. Maybe the Red Sox at some point, you know, if they space him out, they space out his appearances, he could be lights out every single time he grabs the ball, but if they use him a little too much, you're going to look at the Houston Astros, they're going to get a better look at him. Yeah, you know, think about the Red Sox going up against, against the Ryan Presley. You know, even a Ryan Stanek, who's been used a little bit too much in the postseason this year. These are all different things that have to be looked at, but it all centers around the same thing. The overuse of relievers in the postseason is coming to a point where it's going to be the reason that teams are out of the playoffs. A couple of different things we're going to hit up. I'm thinking about the NCAA National Championships and thinking about the, most specifically, the 2004 USC championship that was vacated. Pete Carroll, you know, you know, is not considered a national championship head coach, and they take it away. And I compare it a lot to steroids and the use of performance-enhancing drugs in baseball. Things happen. You know, sometimes they have something to do with the game. Sometimes they don't have anything to do with the game. But we feel like we could go back in revisionist history and erase something that we already saw with our own eyes. You may not want to acknowledge Barry Bonds as the single-season home run champion. You may not want to acknowledge Roger Clemens for winning the most Cy Youngs in baseball history. Now, it doesn't mean it didn't happen. So this weird mantra set up to try to vacate titles in the NCAA, like we're going to say that that USC team was not good. That team was a national champion. Now you say, all right, we're going to take it away. We're going to take away Reggie Bush's Heisman Trophy. But we know that he was the Heisman Trophy winner. We know that USC won the national championship that year. We saw it with our own eyes. You're not going to tell a person that saw something that they didn't see what they saw. I watched Barry Bonds do the things that he did. You may not like the way Barry Bonds did it, but it sure as hell happened. He sure as hell was one of the immortal players in the history of Major League Baseball, right up there with the likes of a Lou Gehrig because of how dominant and feared that he was. The Baseball Hall of Fame may not want to recognize that, but it happened. And this is the point that I make, that we try to, you know, from whether it's using revisionist history to take away things that we already saw and using that to cancel culture. You know, as we try to eliminate people that did certain things because we don't like something that they did later on. You know, O.J. Simpson is a prime example. O.J. Simpson was one of the greatest college football running backs in the history of college football. He was one of the greatest running backs in the history of the National Football League. He was great on Naked Gun. He was the best possible character to use as Norberg. He was great on a Hertz commercial. He was good 
doing uh, you know analyst work you know on, on major networks talking about football. You know what it was he involved in the murder of his wife? Did he kill his wife? This is all for the general public to feel. You know, you you feel that happened. All right, maybe it did, maybe it didn't. He went to trial. He was found not guilty. But whether he was found guilty or not guilty has nothing to do with anything that he accomplished beforehand. You want to say he's a bad person? You want to never mention the name O.J. Simpson again? That's up to you. That's your own prerogative. He was the greatest college football running back in the history of college football. One of the greatest to ever handle a football in the National Football League. A deserved Heisman Trophy winner and Hall of Famer. Yeah, Aaron Hernandez was a dominant tight end on good New England Patriots teams. He was a murderer. He is, you know, he killed himself because he didn't want to live in prison the rest of his life. That may be what he gets remembered for, but it has nothing to do with what he did on the football field before that. A, a dominant player for Florida, the University of Florida. A good, solid, receiving tight end for the New England Patriots. Yeah, made, you know, certainly further than bad decisions, I'll tell you that. And it slides me into the third thing that I wanted to bring up today, and that's Urban Meyer. You know, the NFL and a lot of a lot of fans are kind of happy throwing dirt on the whole John Gruden thing. And John Gruden, listen, you know, has obviously has some issues. You know, puts out emails like that, even though it's with the intention that nobody's ever going to see it, that it's going to be confident between him and the person he's sending it to. And he's basically a casualty in an investigation that has nothing to do with him. While all that's true, listen, any one of us can't have something like that come out. It's It's an indictment on us as a person. And you certainly can't go back and be a leader and be a coach when your players think that little of you. And they're going to think little of you because of the things that you say. So as unfortunate as it was, and as much as John Gruden basically got hit with, with fire that had nothing to do with him, until the emails came out, it did have something to do with him. And you think the same type of approach is being handled in regards to Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer, he may not be a long-term NFL head coach. This may not be for him. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out at the season, at the end of the season. Maybe it'll be a decision and he's going to walk away and the Jacksonville Jaguars will have a new coach next year. Maybe Urban Meyer is a better college coach than an NFL head coach. Obviously, you know, you're looking at what, six games so far? The Jaguars won their first game. They haven't won a game in this country yet. They did win in London. Is that setting themselves on their way? Are they going to all of a sudden get it into gear and be a solid football team under Urban Meyer? My fear is that we're not going to get a chance to see whether that would happen or doesn't happen. And a lot of it has to do with the same cancel culture that we get involved in within society and we just 
we use tunnel vision to try to run people out of spots just to make ourselves feel good. Urban Meyer has to earn the respect of his players. He's done some weird things. We live in a society where players are subordinates per se. And I use the word subordinate to talk about people in the workplace. Everybody has a boss. So people that are in a position or let's say an inferior position and their boss is above them will do everything they can now in the year of 2021 to undermine their boss. This is, it's, it's becoming common practice. The question we're going to find out with the Jacksonville Jaguars is Urban Meyer the guy to lead them over time? And it, if he could somehow get through this season, and trust me, after the media celebrated their victory in destroying or contributing to destroy the life of head coach John Gruden, they want to carry that over and bury Urban Meyer in the same way. Now, Urban Meyer may have done a couple things that are unethical. I, I don't think he's violated the law by any stretch of the imagination. He certainly hasn't done anything to d defy the laws of the National Football League. Now, he may not have the respect of his players, and it's going to be hard to. It's going to be hard for any coach of a team that's lost 20-something games in a row to all of a sudden have the respect of the players. Now, Meyer takes the job in Jacksonville, obviously not that far away from Gainesville where he was a great head coach for the University of Florida. Perfect spot, perfect shot opportunity for him. He gets Trevor Lawrence, the highly touted quarterback out of the University of Clemson. This is something that will probably take a little while to build. My hope is that Urban Meyer gets that chance to do that. And if he could get through this season, which may not be the easiest thing to do. I think he'll have a chance to build that franchise. Now you look at Nick Saban, who coached the Miami Dolphins for one year before going back to school and coach Alabama. Obviously, he's becoming a legendary head coach with the University of Alabama, all the national championships he's won there. Bobby Petrino coached the Atlanta Falcons for a year before going back to school, realizing that that wasn't for him. I'm willing to buy that there's a little bit of a difference when it comes to coaching college kids and coaching NFL pros. There's going to be more of a feeling that pro football players have earned their spot and opportunity to be there. They're going to act differently. They're going to act like they're on the same level as the coach because they're pros. And in a lot of cases, the best players on the football team are getting paid a lot more than a head football coach. College kids, hey, listen, they got to balance an education. They got to do well in their classes. In many cases, they look up to their coach as a hero, a mentor. It's different in the NFL. And that's going to be the biggest thing when it comes to Urban Meyer. Is he able to make that transition? Leading an NFL team is different than leading a college football program. For that reason alone, the fact that the the athletes, the players, and listen, some of the players may become Hall of Famers in the National Football League, but at that moment, they look up to their coach for guidance. The average NFL player doesn't look to their coach for guidance. They try to listen. They perform. They're out there to make a name for themselves on the football field. 
And the coach has got to be a leader of the institution. It's important that the coach earns respect from the players. And this may be where Urban Meyer's failing right now. And it may be something that takes time. I'm sure that Shad Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, wasn't expecting the Jags to all of a sudden morph into this Super Bowl championship caliber team in one year. Very unlikely that that was going to happen. But you look at the fact that you know things are going probably as well as expected. This is not a team that was expected to tear up the AFC South and win a bunch of games and be in a position to get to the playoffs in year number one. It's the off-the-field stuff. It's the not traveling, excuse me, with the team. It's the, you know, whatever, dancing with some chick that obviously wasn't his wife. And the football players, the ones that, like I said, aren't looking up to him, aren't looking up to Coach Meyer as, a, as their hero like they did when he was the college coach. They're kind of laughing at him. Now, what's going to be the common denominator? What's going to get the Jaguars through this as quick as possible? Sure. It's going to be winning games. And they get a taste of victory. They beat the Miami Dolphins, who don't look like they're going to be a good team this year. In London, good game you know, between a couple, a couple teams that probably aren't going to sniff the playoffs. But the Jags get their first win. Urban Meyer gets his first win as a football coach in the National Football League. Now, the Jags can get to around 500. Certainly, I don't expect them to be a postseason football team. But they can play respectable football and start to make it look like Urban Meyer's system is kind of working. Then I think we're looking at somebody that has a chance to be a good NFL head coach, and I'm rooting for him. Uh, I'm, I'm going to admit it. I've been the one that has rooted for those that are up within the cancel culture. The U.S., when it comes to sports, wants to cancel Urban Meyer. That's made me a fan. And if you find a lot of my takes when it comes to sports, I seem to side with the one that it is in some cases embattled that in other cases is looked down upon because I can't stand this culture that's set up where we use this tunnel vision to try to eliminate people from positions they're in. You know, how would you like it in whatever job it is that you did? Somebody landed you know, this type of campaign against you and just went out to try to destroy you when you didn't have any chance to defend yourself because you're a public figure because you have so many other people that are just listening and aren't ever going to listen to the facts, they're just going to go out there to try to destroy you. In case you're wondering why I take the sides of the embattled, and in this case, I'm taking the side of Urban Meyer. Now, he's got to, at some point, stop having these distractions. You can't have any more of these incidents happening off the field. You know, he's looking foolish. At some point, the Jaguars got to win some games. Are they doing it now? Well, they won one. See how things go in the future. This is John Pielli here at Passball Show, brought to you by JohnPielli.com, by St. Alwish's Church in Jackson, New Jersey, by Two Ways, One Passion Food Truck, located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. A little bit of a recap of the show today, and then I'll get out of your way. 
I tell you, what's going to bother teams, what's going to hurt teams in the postseason in Major League Baseball is the overuse of the same relievers. And teams have been stocking up seven, eight, in some cases, nine relief pitchers. Yet when the postseason comes, they continue to use the same two or three. And you have looked the last five years or so, teams that have won the World Series have found some balance, have used more relievers, have in cases used starters as relievers just to give the opponent a different look. And the teams that have lost have all done the same thing. They've run the same reliever out game after game like they're going to get the results every single day. I'm seeing it with the Atlanta Braves, even though they've won the first two games at home. They're in a great spot. To be up 2-0 against the good Los Angeles Dodgers team, we got to see a different look. Dodgers got to see a couple different pitchers at some point. Tyler Matzik and Luke Jackson are going to get lit up at some point in this series. Number two, we talked about the vacation, and then obviously not like you know National Lampoon's Vegas vacation or Christmas vacation. Vacation like eliminate, remove make-believe it doesn't exist of NCAA national championships like in 2004 with USC under Pete Carroll. You can't confuse or fool a person into believing that what they saw did not happen. And the same applies to sports. You talk about steroids. You want to eliminate Barry Bonds from the record books. Barry Bonds still did what he did. He still hit 73 home runs in a season. He still... Hit 762 home runs in his career. Nobody in baseball has ever hit more. Roger Clemens has won seven Cy Youngs. Nobody's ever won more. What, are we going to make believe it didn't happen? O.J. Simpson wasn't the Heisman Trophy winner? Why, just because you, you you know the, the decisions he's made in his life later on? In some cases, you might be dealing with bad people. Doesn't mean that their accomplishments... Their accomplishments should be canceled. You know, John Gruden, who led the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you know, Tampa Bay might be pissed at him. A lot of people are pissed at him. But you can't say he wasn't the coach of a Super Bowl championship team. And it led me right into Urban Meyer, who is the latest on cancel culture's watch to try to destroy. Some of it's his own doing. A lot of it's his own doing. He's got to stop with this off-the-field shit that's getting in the way of the building of his football team. Now, if he's going to make a conscious decision to not do that, then you know what? At some point, he's going to end up out of there in some way, shape, or form. He focuses on football and tries to build a winner. I'm rooting for him to succeed there. We'll see if it ends up happening. This is the Passball Show. John Pielli always here with you. You can tweet at me at John underscore PLE. Sure, leave a comment on any of these video feeds if anybody's watching. We'll be back with you next week. God bless you. And as always, I'll see you on the other side. And during that stretch, when they won five games and lost three games, the games they lost, they scored zero, one, and three runs. Very good possibility that if Chris Fry was on the Chicago Cubs roster opening day. I have many leather-bound books. My apartment smells of rich mahogany. How come you're only looking at a certain amount of money that gets rewarded to a particular franchise as we hit the halfway point here on the fastball shot? Why don't you give it all or a majority of it to the team that wins the freaking World Series?
I was going to listen to that, but then I just carried on living my life. I may come out as the biggest major baseball manager apologist. That'll only make someone work just hard enough not to get fired. Because hitters are going out there saying, I'm either going to hit a home run or I'm going to strike out. And if I don't get a pitch that I feel like I could drive out of the park. Especially prospect whores and hoarders are going to be a little pissed off at me when I say this. There are only two managers in baseball's Hall of Fame who have losing records. One of them is the iconic Connie Mack, who you could say, in spite of winning five World Series championships as a manager, could be in as much as a pioneer and Bucky Harris. side of the spectrum they're on. Were they pitching? Were they batting? If your favorite team was pitching and the ball got inside to hit a batter, there's no way it could have been on purpose. But if, if you were a fan of the team that was batting and the ball got inside and hit somebody or went behind somebody's head, absolutely 100%, unequivocally, that pitcher was throwing at They put their tail between their legs and decided they're going to do exactly what they're told. Situation. He took a pitch in the back, he got beat for crying out loud. 35 years ago, I could have loaned your parents the money for an abortion. <laughs>